something on my heart, man. When we were worshiping uh, this morning, my heart just started to, I don't know, just come alive. Um, just thinking about who God is and thinking about who he sees us as, it just gets me excited that, you know, we're really sons and daughters of the Most High King. Like, man, if, that, if nothing else gives you joy this morning, the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that you are a son and daughter of God, that should give you great joy, great joy. And so I want to share a little bit about how that is connected to us sustaining and running as exiles in this land. Because I think a lot of times when we think of, about being an exile, we think of it as a very foreign concept. Um, and it is. We're essentially foreigners to this land. That, you know, this is not our, our resting place. This is not our home. But this is actually temporary. And that we're actually running to something. So this morning what I want to do is I want to kind of talk about what are we actually progressing towards, right? What are we running towards? And two, if we're foreigners, that implies that this isn't our home. So we actually came from somewhere. So what, what, where do we actually derive from? So by the grace of God, um, I hope to do that this morning. So if you could turn with me to the good book. Anyone got their Bible? Holla if you got your Bible. All right, we got three people with their Bibles. Is this a church? Are we in church? Okay. Bring your Bibles to church. It's kind of important. Well, I'm sorry. I can't talk. I got my phone. I got on my phone. Some of you guys are looking like, where is his Bible? I got on my phone. Hey, I'm, I'm a millennial. It's okay. 21st century. But it's good to bring the book. My wife is trying to help me. I just, like, leave it in the trunk sometimes, but it's not good. So it's a good wife. Yeah, good wife. So turn to Hebrews 11.6 um, with me. Give me, a, give me a shot when you're there. All right, we got one person that's there. All right, we're going we're gonna to have to work together this morning. I'm going to get you guys to be interactive. So, uh, so holler at me there. You guys there? All right, we got five people now. We got a church service. Um, <laughs> man, so Hebrews 11.6. So I believe there's two elements... Um, there's two, two things that affect us uh, from entering into the promises of God. And uh, one is a belief of who God is, and uh, one is a belief in what God can actually do. And so in Hebrews eleven six it says this. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God must, one, believe that he exists, and two, that he is a rewarder of those that earnestly seek him. So that's two things. One, we believe that God is actually true, that he exists, that his character is true, that he died, he rose again. And the second thing is that he rewards those that diligently seek him so that as we seek him, as we engage with God, that he's a rewarder of our faith. It's the second thing. So whenever I read this verse, I see two key elements in this verse. It's trust and knowing. And I feel like trust and, and knowing or knowing a hopeful expectation, um, I feel like that, that's what faith is. Those two things embody faith. So we trust who God is, we trust his character, and then we have a hopeful expectation that he's going to give us what he promised. So we have a hopeful expectation that those that diligently seek him, that he's, he's a rewarder of that. And I feel like these two elements kind of get us to a word called intimacy. Say intimacy. Now say it really slow. Say intimacy. All right, so I stole this from my dad. But I just love, I love saying this word. The word intimacy actually means into me see. Take a look inside of me, understand me, know me. I'm transparent so that you can see who I am. And as we have faith in Christ, I'm just laying the foundation right now, so don't worry, I'm going to get to the message. But as we have faith in Christ, 
and we act upon that faith, we're diligently seeking him and knowing him, we then become, uh, we then come to an understanding of who he is. Um, we, and, and that in, word intimacy really means closeness with God. You don't have to go here, but in Romans 10.8, gives a little bit of language to this, uh, particularly in verse 8, it says, the word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith we proclaim. And verse 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The thing I love about this scripture is I feel like a lot of people read that first part of verse 9 and they totally forget the rest. And that first part is saying, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and then the rest we just kind of forget, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The reason why this is so important, because in Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 21, it talks about people who actually kind of take that first segment of verse 9 and believe just that. He says, he says in that day, if you can put it up on the screen, it's Matthew 7, 21. He says, in that day, many of you will say, Lord, Lord, um, when you enter the kingdom. He said, Lord, Lord, will we enter the kingdom? But only the one that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Are we up there? I'm sorry. I'm not even reading the right scripture. All right, I'm going to read it up here. So Matthew 7, verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven meaning he who is authorized by my Father is able to enter into heaven. The reason why I really like this scripture is because a lot of times we think just simply calling on his name but not actually understanding his person is what yields fruit. But that's not it. That's not what yields the fruit. In, in John chapter 15, verse 16, um, I, lo- I love this, this phrase that Jesus says. He says, you didn't first know me. He said, but I first knew you. Meaning you didn't start this process, that I actually started it. And whenever I read that, that implies that something was actually planted in us. Say there's something living inside of me this morning. Two of you got something living inside of this morning. We, by the end of this, my goal is to get all you guys to talk. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> so let's talk, about, let's talk a little bit about what, what actually, what's a promise, right? A lot of us have promises that have been made to us. Some of you guys have promises that have been broken, and it hurts to have a promise broken, right? Because we didn't receive what was expected, that we had an expectation that was set, and it wasn't realized. And so I feel like what the word promise means, it's, it's something that's uttered, something that's communicated, and it's something that has yet to be attained or realized, but an expectation that it is. And when we talk about promises, it reminds me of uh, children, the relationship that children have with your parents. Um, the interesting thing about children, our children are very good at a few things. Um, fun, first thing is they are aware of their need. The second thing is they know when they're hungry and they know who can provide the means to fix their hunger. And the third thing is they have an understanding of authority, that who actually has the ability to provide what I'm, what I'm lacking. And, it, you know, it's, it's no coincidence that Jesus um, tells us that we need to be like children, that the children are going to inherit the kingdom, the children are going to enter into the kingdom. And because I think children are very good at understanding who their father is. They know who their father is. One, they know that they're a son, they know that they're a daughter, and they understand who God is. So they're able to get what they need in order to grow, to be nourished, and to, um, and to progress through life. I think the key issue 
with us right now as living, as living as exiles is we don't actually know the Father, that we don't actually know who Jesus is. A lot of us, we can profess his name. We do it in worship all the time. We say, God, you're so good. You're worthy of it all. You're a good father. But do we actually know what it means when he says he's a good father? Do we actually understand the implications of those words when we say, God, you are good? What we're uttering, what was first planted in us. And that's what I want to get us to recognize here today. If you guys could turn to Matthew chapter 4. I think it's always good in the Bible just to look at how Jesus lived. Because I think we get a lot of understanding of um, how we're supposed to live as, as exiles in this world. Give me a hey when you're there. Hey, all right. Here we go. All right, so Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I'm going to stop right there. So Jesus was aware that he needed something in that moment. Verse 3 says, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. Verse 4 says, Jesus answered and says, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He realized where authority came from. Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Seven, Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your Lord, the Lord your God to test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Verse 10 says, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This is how we are supposed to live as Christians. You know, as exiles, as being foreigners in this land, there's something that we carry with us internally, and it's a passport. Do you guys have a passport this morning? Okay. And what that passport is actually is the word that God put inside of us. It's the word of God. It reminds us, one, of who we are where we came from, and then it also reminds us that where we are now, this is not our home. And so the thing I love about Matthew 4 is that Jesus actually uses the word here. For one, he's hungry, he has a need, and he recognizes that the devil's coming to tempt him to say, hey, you can provide that need yourself. But he's saying, no, it comes from my father. The need comes from my father, and he's going to fulfill it. And then the devil continues to tempt Jesus. He continues to speak, actually, speak actually into his identity of who he is. And then Jesus responds with the word. He says, no, it is written that you shall serve the Lord your God only. In situations in your life, you're going to have situations that test your character and test your identity. You're going to run into situations even with people that you love and that you care for. They're going to test the character of God in your life. And I feel like it's in those moments that lie and that lies the answer of how we're supposed to live as exiles. Because in America, let's be honest, it's very comfortable here. We have a lot of things that we, a lot of things that we need are, are given to us. A lot of things that we, we want are even given to us. But when it comes to hard situations, like for, for example, this past election, a lot of us were off the hinge. You know, all of a sudden our uncertainty, uncertainty was being questioned. Our, 
Uh, where are we going as a nation? Where are we going as people? And we didn't have any grid or any foundation um, to who we were or where we're going. And I feel like it's in those times, in those testings, that we're actually supposed to repeat the word back to the situation and say, no, it is written. Lord, I know who I am. I'm a son and daughter of God. And if you're a son and daughter of God, you have an inheritance from God. And not only that, but you can speak the words that God gives in you because in you is a seed that's bearing fruit. And, you know, in the scripture, the Lord talks a lot about abiding. He says, abide in me and I abide in you. He wasn't simply saying, um, you know, make your physical body be inside of me. What he was saying is allow the word that I have planted in you, allow the word that I have first spoken to you. A lot of you have heard the word. You're sa- many of you are saved here in this place. The word that I first spoken to you to bear fruit within you. And not only that, but allow that word to produce something in other people. Because I, I am the true vine. And apart from me, you can bear no fruit. But in me, you bear much fruit. Now, just to bring some clarity to that, in Matthew 25, um, that's where we have the parable of the talents, right? And in that parable, I'll go through it really quickly, um, you have a couple people who are given talents um, by a king. One was given ten, one was given seven, one was given five, one was given two, and then one was given one. And so basically the king is now surveying all of his servants and figuring out what became of the investment that he gave to his servants. The one with ten came back and he got ten more. The one with five came back, he got five more. And then he got down to the one with one. And the one with one said, you know, I was afraid that I was going to lose it, and I decided to hide it. And the master was upset. He was furious. He said, you foolish servant. Now, I've given you this talent, and you haven't reckoned. He said, I could have gotten interest on it somewhere else. And when I read that scripture, it makes me think and makes me understand the way of the father. There was shame that set in with that one person that had that one talent. He didn't understand his father was a good father. He didn't understand that he was actually made to bear fruit. A lot of us don't understand that we were actually made to bear fruit. And it's in the challenging situations that we actually see that fruit come about. Don't wish your struggles away. Stop wishing your life to be better. Stop wishing struggles to go away. These struggles in Romans, in Romans 5, it says these struggles actually produce something within us. These sufferings actually produce something within us. And they're meant for you to bear fruit in your life. A lot of us are praying, God, please take away these things. Please take away the struggles. And I'm not saying about, I'm, I'm not talking, you know, about illnesses or things like that. I'm talking about challenging situations that we all often go, go through. And instead of having the perspective of saying, Lord, give me the heart and the strength to actually endure this, we're saying, God, please take it away. But what if, just what if, what if God actually created the circumstance for your faith to be tested so that you can see that your true alliance is upon him and that you can bear fruit? And the outcome of that is your faith is way more elevated in God than it was before. What if? What if these trials and tribulations that we go through in this life were actually constructed by God to allow us to understand the Father in a deeper way, to allow us to understand who God is in a more intimate way. That's what I want to get us to see this morning. Because as being in exile, as being a Christian, oftentimes you feel misunderstood. Oftentimes you feel like the people around you don't understand you. But the thing is, rest assured 
that if you are an exile, that you actually derived from the king of kings who sits on an eternal throne in heaven, and that he actually is in you working to bear fruit that your life might be a representation of who he is on the earth. Wow. Some of us don't understand the power that we have as believers, that we have the tangible, living Holy Spirit within us. We have the word of God within us to produce fruit in our life. But we're so often uh, asking, asking God, God, why are you doing this? Why is this happening? And we're not seeing the bigger picture. He wants to produce something. He wants to produce something in you. Let's go to um, 1 Kings chapter 17. I want to show you actually what the word produces. Give me a hey when you're there. Hey. Hey now. All right, so this is 1 Kings chapter um, 17, and we're going to start in verse 7. A little bit about this. This is um, the prophet Elijah. Um, he got a word from the Lord saying that there was going to be a famine, but the Lord said, I'm going to command my ravens actually to, um, to provide sustenance to you. So he got a word from the Lord. So let's pick it up in verse 7. It says, Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said, Go once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get, as she was going to get it, he called and said, hey, and he called and said, bring, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Verse 12 says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we might eat and die. Before I read on, there's some things that are very significant in that scripture. In verse, in verse 12, she doesn't reference God as her God. She says, as surely as the Lord your God lives. Um, and also, the second thing is, she, she was, as she was talking about her lack, she said that we might eat and die. So we can see that she was in a hopeless situation, that there was no hope um, within this woman. So in verse 13, it says, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Here comes the word of the Lord. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make some for yourself and your son. See, before we go on, the thing I love about the word of God is it challenges us. It's so counterintuitive. It's so counterlogical to what we think we're supposed to be doing in, the, in, in, in this particular time. And as people, especially in Boston, we're so good at trying to predict God, right? A lot of us get prophetic words, and we're so good at trying to predict on how God is going to do it, on how God is going to move, and how God is going to provide. But I love this because in this, in this, in this text, he's, he's actually asking the woman, Actually, before you make something for you and your son, although you only have enough to make for you and him, make some for me first. So the cool thing about this is I totally see evangelism in the scripture. That he goes, he gives her a word, and not only that, he's actually, he's actually showing her the principles of the kingdom. He's saying, first gift to me. I've given you the word, first gift to me, and then you'll have enough. 
for you and your sons. So let's continue to read. In verse 14, it says, For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. There's a promise. 15 says, She, sent, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. She was obedient. She heard the word and she received it. So there was, there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So the original word that was spoken by Elijah, that Elijah spoke to this woman, produced enough sustenance, not only for that day for them to eat, but it was enough that they could continue to eat. That's the, that's the multiple effect of the word. That as we speak the word of God in difficult times, in difficult situations, it has this multiplying effect. It spreads out, and it's able to produce fruit. So not only the fruit that was produced in you, because you heard the word and received, but then you speak it to someone else. It produces fruit in their life. They receive, and now they're producing fruit as well. I think that's so amazing. And that's how the word of God works, is that whenever it's spoken to us and we receive it and we believe and we hold fast to it, it actually produces something in us. And as we share, as we're sharing in our difficult season, as we're sharing the word of the Lord, it actually has the same effect to produce fruit in people's lives around us. We are called to be carriers of truth. The Bible calls us salt and light. We are called to be carriers of his word. And as we're carriers of his word, we're called to share his word. How many of you guys go into work or you go into school and you look around and you're just like, God, I wish that you would just inbreak. I wish that you would change the hearts of the people around me. I wish that you would change the heart of my family. I want you to start going in those situations. I want you to start seeing that as your mission. That God has placed you in a region that is not known to you. It's foreign to you. That you might produce fruit and bear his name because you know the Father. Because you know the Father. Because you are intimately acquainted with who he is. You know, Brian Kim said something at uh, 110 that has continued to echo in my heart, in my mind, and I can't get rid of it. He says, it's time for us Christians to really be Christians. And that sounds so simple, I know. But as I was thinking about that, I was like, am I really a follower of Christ? Am I really following Jesus? Meaning, is my life a representation of the love of the Father? And then two, do I even know the love of the Father? Because it's from that place of knowing the love of the Father that we're able to produce fruit. You know, a lot of us, whenever we look at the condition of our lives and we, we see it's not fruitful, we try to run this analysis to figure out where we're going wrong. Like maybe I did something. Maybe, you know, this is something that was due to me because of something someone else did. Maybe I, I caused this to come up on myself. But what if it was maybe you didn't know the Father as well as you thought you did? What if it was maybe you weren't intimately acquainted with who you are as a son and daughter? Man, because whenever you become acquainted with who you are as a son and daughter, it looks different. It looks different. It's no longer a fear and lack. But actually, whenever you start to have challenging situations, it's almost like an expectation that God is going to move. You actually look at the situation, instead of having hope, hopeless despair, 
on your face and on your heart. You look at it, you say, oh, God, this is another situation that I actually get to know the Father, that I actually get to grow in intimacy with who you are because it's a challenge. Man, what if we looked at our situations that way this morning? No longer hopeless despair. Oh, God, there's no hope for the nation. Stop it. Let's be real. There's a king that's sitting on the throne, and he has a plan. He sent you here. He sent you here as people that have derived from his land to produce fruit through the land, that other people might eat of it and know that he is good, that they might taste and see that, oh, God is good. What if, if we actually knew who we were as sons and daughters, and we actually knew the love of the Father, and we actually became intimately acquainted with the Father, and we actually started to share that love with other people, what might we see? In this land? What might we see if we started to look at challenging situations as opportunities for God to move? What might we experience? I'm telling you, no one else is doing it. The world is looking for something different. They're looking for authenticity. They're looking for a people that know who they are because they know who their God is. And we're called to be those people as exiles. We're called to be the people that know the Father intimately and they are going out throughout the earth as his messengers, producing good fruit, because we understand our relationship with the Father. I'm not talking about striving. A slave doesn't know his master's business, but a son does. I'm not talking about trying to achieve something in God. What I'm simply talking about is knowing that you are so tight with the Father, that as you walk, that you are, you are taking dominion, that you are, you, are, you are a kingdom representative of God. That as you speak, your words have weight and power, and they're actually producing things in people's hearts. What if we thought of ourselves that way? Man, that excites me. You guys don't look excited. Does that excite you or what? That, we can, that we're actually carriers of a word that was first given to us. And by remaining in God, we bear much fruit. By believing who he is, wow, rocks my world rocks my world. One of my favorite scriptures, whenever, you know, Jesus also had his identity tested. One of my favorite scriptures, I shared a little bit about this. If you heard it in small group, totally fine. You're going to hear it again. But um, it says, it says this, while Jesus was still, still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brother are standing outside, your people, Jesus, waiting to speak to you. And then Jesus replies, and he says, who is my mother, and who are my brothers? Like, what? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother, and here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. For the one that hears my Father's voice and is moving from that expression, these are my mothers, these are my brothers, these are my sisters. You know, I, li- I like the scripture because Many of you have heard this before, but I actually use this in the, in the context of a challenging situation with my mom one time. I was out late. God was wrecking my heart. I was 15 years old, and I would go out, and uh, I would just do stupid stuff. I wasn't using wisdom. I would go out, and we would, I lived in Houston, so was, there were some rough parts, and Houston is actually a hub of sex trafficking. And so I would go out in front of the strip clubs, you know, with my Bible, and uh, <laughs> 15 years old, like, just don't do it. Go out. <laughs> 
And uh, I, would, I would just stand there and I would just, you know, ask people, hey, can I, can I challenge you in a conversation? Can we just have a conversation and just talk about the love of God? And, like, just seeing people's lives change, like grown men listen to some 15-year-old kid. You know, they're getting ready to go in a strip club and then they're hit, getting hit with the conviction of God to say, man, maybe I need to consider. This is actually what I've been waiting for. Just crazy stories like that. But I used to do that, um, like, at least three times a week. And I remember I was coming, I used to come home really late, like 12, 1 in the morning. And one day I came home, I'll never forget, I opened the door, it's pitch black, and all I can see are two, two white eyes staring at me. And I'm like, it's either Jesus or it's my mom. Because <laughs> like this fear came over me instantly. And so I, I walk in, I say, hello? <laughs> you know, like, can you respond? She says nothing. Lights come on, she's in her bathrobe. And uh, she's like, where were you? You know, me, I'm off, I'm off of a faith high. I'm like, I just saw God move. God has just healed some hearts. Like, yeah, I'm walking in authority. So I'm like, I'm going to try to use it here. Let's see if it works. So I walk in. I start walking upstairs. And I go, I was out. And she goes, you know, you're supposed to be home, Matt. Like, it's not good for you to be out. And she goes, are you smoking dope? And I was like, no. I was like, I'm doing the will of my father. I was like, who's my mother? Who's my brother? And she got the spirit of a linebacker on her. I mean, I was walking up the stairs. She tackled me so fast. My mom is five foot nothing. Tackled me so fast. And I promise I fractured a rib that day. But I felt, I felt that when I said that, I was just like, yeah, God, I'm agreeing with you. Like, yeah, Lord, my, my, I'm a kingdom citizen. God, I'm following your heart, God. I'm moving the expression of your love because I want to see souls saved. It's not that I want to see them, but you want to see them more than I want to see them. You know, I started to think about Jesus when he was on the cross. You know, a lot of us, when we, whenever we see that, um, that scripture, you guys all right? <laughs> whenever, I, whenever we read that scripture, we think, oh, because, you know, God loved us so much, you know, that he died. And yet it's true. He loved us. But I truly think it was the joy set before, set before him that he saw, I'm going home that I get to be with my Father, that I get to experience John 17 again with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we're, we're going to be unified. And then he starts to pray for us that we would exp- experience the same unity. And so the reason why I say that is being in exile and being a Christian, you know, it's easy to allow our faith to become unseated. It's easy to allow our expectation uh, to somehow get dwindled. But we have to remember the joy set before us. We have to remember where we're going as people. We have to remember that, that this has an end. It had a beginning. We're going through the middle, and we're on a journey. And as, as being on this journey together, what God desires to do is, one, he desires for us to be sons and daughters. He desires for us to know him. Two, he desires for us to expect great things from, from him because he's a father, and he desires, to, he desires to do those things. And three, he desires for us to reproduce that in the people and in the, the, the communities around us so that we can plunder the, the cells of hell and populate heaven as we're going on this journey to understanding who the Father is. You guys doing all right? One of my favorite scriptures is 2 Timothy 2.12. It says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. And if we disown him, he will disown us. And, yeah, amen. I got you. Are you cool? I'm with you, D. I'm with you, bro. 
And the reason why, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's a little bit of salt, salt and a little bit of sugar in the same scripture because if we disown him, he will disown us. Meaning if we don't receive his word, we're not, son, we're not sons, we're not daughters of God. If we don't receive actually who he is, you know, if we don't understand that he died, he rose again for our sins, and that we actually receive that as our testimony, not only just confess it, we're not legitimate sons and daughters. And, you know, when you read that scripture in Matthew 27, it says, Lord, didn't we uh, prophesy in your name? Didn't we heal the sick? Didn't we cast out the demons? Didn't we heal the blind? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Meaning, I never was acquainted with you in your time of struggle, in your time of challenge. You called upon me, but you didn't receive my word. You didn't actually, actually believe that I died and rose for you. You didn't actually, actually believe that I ascended to the heavens, to the highest place of authority. And so I think the real issue here is in us understanding who we are. I think the real issue here is in us understanding that we're sons and daughters of God. Because in that place of understanding, you become unshakable. You become truly unshakable. I mean, you can have friends, you can have family members challenge your identity. But because you know who you are and you know who God is, you become truly unshakable because God is unshakable. And as his children, when we trust in him, we take up on his characteristics, meaning he makes us into his image. Isn't that crazy? That as we begin to go through these challenging situations, God actually wants to make you like him. That's the call of who we are as Christians. You know, in Matthew, whenever he was calling his disciples and they were fishing, he said, you know, leave all that stuff and follow me. Follow, who I, follow, follow me, follow where I'm going. And when I read that, it's not only simply leave your occupation and follow me. It's simply leave who you thought you were. Leave your perception of yourself and actually follow the word that I'm giving you and calling you a son and daughter of God. It's not simply stop this and start this. It's not behavior correction. He's actually trying to change our perspective, saying, look at me. Behold who I am. Because when we look at Jesus, I mean, it happened to Moses. When we actually behold who he is and look into his eyes, he is so powerful that even being in his presence, we become more and more like him. Wow. You know, as we were singing that song, as we away and the learning bells ring. Daryl sings it much better. You're beautiful. It's that song, You're Beautiful. It's because when we behold the beauty of God, we're like, oh, it just, it makes sense in our spirit. We're like, this is who, who you are. This is who I am. And that's why a lot of times when people would encounter God in the word, they would say, God, who am I? Who am I that you are mindful of me? Because you start to come to this new reality of who you are as a son and daughter. You start to come to this new reality of who you are as a person in Christ. That's why it's so important that we continue as exiles to behold the beauty of God daily. Guys, you got to fight for it in this time. If someone told you it was going to be easy, they're lying. It's not. It's going to be challenging. It says he has to shorten the days so that the elect, even the elect, those that are called by his name, don't fall away. And so it's so important in this time that we don't look to CNN to be our answer. We're not looking to anything happening on the global front to be an answer. What we're looking to is we're looking to Jesus. We're beholding his beauty. We're saying, God, make us like you. Because it's only in that place that we'll have the sustenance that we need to endure this life. 
It's about enduring as people together. And so I want to challenge you, next time, we're not talking about the past, we're talking about next time. Next time you're faced with something truly challenging. Next time you're faced with something truly life-changing, life-altering, start to behold the beauty of God. The power of prayer and the power of, of worship is so imperative to, your, to you sustaining as an exile. Constant communication with the Father. God, show me who you are again. Lord, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. You know, I'm going to use a, where's Israel Shaw at? There he is. I'm going to use a, something that he said in small group. It was so powerful. You know, he says, God sees us as a 10. But whenever we go through a shameful situation, we then start to see ourselves as a six. And due to that shame, we start to continue to operate as a six because we feel like we're not worthy of being a 10. But if God sees you as a 10 and you're continuing to operate under a, a slavery mentality of operating on a six, you can never get 10 results. You can never do what a 10 does. And so it takes us looking at God and saying, God, actually show me who I am again, Father. Let me behold your beauty so that I can operate in a level. I can operate truly outside of this world as a citizen of heaven. I can totally operate on that, on that plane with you because I know who I am in you. Man, so good. Hebrews 12.8 says, if you are not disciplined and everyone who undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. Not true. What? This is a, I don't know what um, translation this is. This must be the message. Um, can we put Hebrews 12, 8 up there? I'm sorry. I'm joking. Uh, just kidding, guys. Just kidding. Can we put Hebrews 12, 8 up there? There we go. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. As children of God, God is continually structuring our lives in discipline so that we might become like him. Don't hinder or don't despise the process of the Lord working in your heart, working in your life, putting you through challenging situations. Because he says, you are gold refined by fire. And after the process, I want to see my reflection in you. I want to see you come out as pure gold. That God has a plan. He has a purpose. He knows what he's doing. And if God has a plan and a purpose, that means that he's trustworthy. And we can actually trust in the process of what he's doing. And by trusting in the process, we allow him to take us through the process. It's his word that carries us. And as we go, we then become the product of what he's trying to produce in us because we trust him and we believe who he is. So as people being exiles, as people being those who this is not your home, I want to encourage you to one, continue to behold the Father. Know that the Father is good. Whenever I go through hard situations, I start saying, God, you are good. You're so good, God. I know who you are. I'm not going to be confused. Be like Jesus in Matthew 4. Devil comes to tempt. No, I know, I know who this is. I'm not confused by this. Because, man, when you know who you are, then you start to walk in the authority, and that's the authorization of the Father to actually do what he does. So you're able to walk in a manner where you have power and you have authority. You can speak to situations and you can speak to scenarios. You say, no, this is what the Lord of God, this is what the word of God says. We're carriers of the word and the word is in us to produce fruit. Amen. I'm going to pray.